Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly McLear. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, we will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hey, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, We are jumping back into our series of Decoding Our Distress. And this week, we're going to look at a final component of distress that I think invades every single one of our lives in one way or another. Um, Over the last several weeks, we have been walking through various feelings of distress, learning how God meets us in them and teaches us through them. And oftentimes we struggle to accept or even invite our distress to sit at the table and be heard and seen and known. Yet I hope that through this series, we have begun to experience the power and presence of God That is at work in the midst of fear, doubt, guilt, shame, anger, resentment, and now today, grief and loss. This is an enormous spectrum of experience, so I will not even try to fully encompass the personal complexities of grief, loss, depression, suffering, struggle, and pain. Yet we cannot bypass the reality of brokenness, whether in small or tragic ways. Loss and grief color our lives and the lives of those we love and serve daily. So what do we do with the weight of what could have been or the heartache of what should have been? And how do we hold the hand of those who are weary and weeping while opening ourselves up to our own wounds and weariness? These are the questions that have come to mind in my acquaintance with grief, both personally and professionally. What I've come to learn through distress of loss is that it shapes us and it renames us. 
This concept really stuck out to me when I listened to an interview with Andrew Bauman, the author of Stumbling Towards Wholeness. He shares that we must grieve to the level we loved. And this is a profound perspective, one which I feel in many ways church culture has not learned to embrace. So grief is often suppressed and compartmentalized or metabolized through displaced emotions, many of which we have already discussed in previous episodes. So what if we gave ourselves permission to name our losses and grieve the reality of heartache, pain, injustice, death, sin, and brokenness? What if being honest with the ways we suffer and struggle is actually the way to experiencing true healing and restoration? I want to begin with unpacking these possibilities by understanding the grief process and its significance psychologically and spiritually. So grief is a lot like a wave, right? Sudden and swift. Grief is often characterized by its ability to overwhelm the soul. Within its wake, we feel the heaviest of emotions and struggle to find solid footing. The Mayo Clinic explains that grief and its various forms are defined as the natural reaction to loss. And despite our attempts, its process cannot be controlled. Now, this is a large umbrella, yet it is also one that connects each one of us. We all know loss, don't we? Whether it be the loss felt through transitions of life or waiting seasons to the unexplainable pains of divorce and death and deception and disillusionment, From a therapeutic perspective, grief is defined as an intense emotional experience triggered by loss. So something to underline here is that grief is not a clinical condition. It is a natural response to loss, and it is felt at different levels and experienced in different ways, depending on each person's expectation and belief surrounding the grief. Now, these are greatly dependent on our unique combinations of personality and faith and culture and personal history. Yet some grief, if prolonged, complex, or unresolved, can have the ability to become what is called complicated grief. But today I want to specifically talk about grief as a acknowledged part of the human experience. So let's take a look at the signals of grief on our bodies, minds, and spirit. When grief is experienced in the body, it's often experienced through depression symptoms, loss of appetite, difficulty sleeping, fatigue and loss of energy, physical pain that are oftentimes what we call psychosomatic, and then suppressed immune system. So we might get sick a little bit easier and waves of tearfulness or sudden emotional flooding. In addition to our body's response to grief and loss, our minds also play a role here. Negative outlook on our situation, confusion, poor memory, lack of focus. Our minds pay a toll when loss occurs. And this is a very natural thing because our bodies and minds are trying to make sense. And then lastly, our spirit or our emotional expression can be a spectrum of different emotional responses from depression to guilt and anger, hostility, anxiety, despair, hopelessness, and feelings of isolation. We can become angry with God or others or even ourselves. In addition, grief impacts our daily life, often making small tasks or even self-care very difficult. 
You know, grief is probably one of the most popular experiences I think I sit with in therapy. And it's also something that I think we don't talk about enough in church. And so the tendency I often see, though, for many experiencing grief is that either we feel like we should not experience it because it's not justifiable or it's somehow we believe it's not godly or that we will be taken over by the grief and therefore we just can't allow it to take us over. And this can influence the way we see and experience our losses in so many ways. Yet what I see grief point to is something that connects us to our divine nature. You know, when we ask the question, what is grief telling us? I think loss speaks to what we love and long for. This sole aspect of grief can really help us understand its importance and role in our lives emotionally and spiritually. I often sit with clients who, although don't ascribe to Christianity, wrestle with the longing for wholeness and redemption and eternity. I find this so powerful because it speaks to our divine nature. We were not made to experience loss. We were created for eternity. In many ways, we have neglected our losses with sugarcoating Christian sentiments that try to sweep suffering up and preserve a perspective that we don't have to weep or mourn because God is good or God is faithful. And yet, even those things that are true about God's nature don't negate our suffering in the present moment. This unbiblical approach to loss on any level can cause such harm and disorientation of what we understand and believe about God's response to our losses and laments. So how do we hold the complexity of this coexistence? What I'm not saying here is to get lost in the hopelessness of our pain and suffering. Grief is not hopeless, but it's honest. When I look to scripture, I see a God who, deeply moved by pain and suffering and the reality of fallenness, does not dismiss the oppression or the reality of life's losses, but in his compassion and desire for reunion and redemption, offered his only son, the greatest loss, to provide a way for eternal hope, joy, and peace that this world cannot reflect in its shattered state. This does not solve our sin and grief problem. We will still live in the shattered storyline of suffering until heaven, yet God the Father meets us here and walks with us through the fires and the storms and the high waters and the darkest valleys. So how does God respond to our losses? I think He grieves with us. In Genesis 6-6, God's emotion of grief is experienced when he sees the wickedness of man. It says that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth and every inclination of thought in his heart was altogether evil. And it says that the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth and that he was grieved in his heart. You know, this is a profound statement about a God who feels sadness over sin and brokenness. And how does this connect to us personally? Well, in Psalm thirty-four, eighteen, it specifically talks about how God responds to our personal losses. And it says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus expressed this in his ministry, responding to loss. You know, I think about how he stood in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says that 
his soul was consumed with sorrow to the point of death. And then he speaks out in a weeping prayer that God would take this cup from him. And yet we see such a beautiful surrender in Jesus' expression of grief when he states, Yet not as I will, but your will be done. And then on the cross, we see the humanity of Jesus while he cries out to God, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I think this points to the humanity and our divine nature. As we are made in God's image and reflect God, we also experience grief when things are not the way they should be. You know, the challenge with not acknowledging grief as a divine aspect of our nature is that we can feel guilt or even fear in expressing honest grief. Because maybe we read the scriptures that say, you know, rejoice always or count it all joy. I remember even being um, in college and having a really bad day and someone reminding me with these passages, you know, to, to just trust in God. And although these are true things, they aren't soothing or comforting. They oftentimes feel very invalidating. And I don't see the Lord do this in scripture, never invalidates, but asks why, inquires and encourages us to listen to what's going on. Often our feelings of pain and depression and grief become a point of discouragement if we equate their absence with maturity spiritually. Now, grief is not hopelessness. It's bravely facing the reality of loss. This is what the reader of Ecclesiastes notes, saying that there is a season for everything under the sun, a time to weep and a time to laugh. Nopitskazero notes this powerful connection of grief to our spiritual formation, stating this, Turning towards our pain is counterintuitive, but in fact, the heart of Christianity is that the way to life is through death. The pathway to resurrection is through crucifixion. So how do we learn to be formed by grief and allow God's glory to be revealed through our suffering? I think this brings us to the practice, the spiritual formation aspect of our distress when it comes to grief and loss. There are so many ways to process and work through grief from a therapeutic standpoint, and I would recommend seeking counsel and guidance and community as you navigate the waves of your personal grief. Yet here are a few ways I have learned to lean into the deep and experience a new depth of God's presence, promise, and provision. Number one, I think it's important that we learn to engage with our grief. If we look back to scripture and see the great men and women who bravely engaged grief honestly and expressed to God their loss and discouragement and disorientation and even anger towards God and doubt, we see that this enlarged their heart and their capacity to have an honest relationship with the Lord. I think of Hannah and Joseph and Job and Jeremiah and Mary and Martha, the Apostle Paul and Jesus himself. Look at their stories and you will read of honest, tenacious, truthful grief that's defined their faith and formed them into followers of Christ. What we learn about engaging with grief is this. It is often the part of us that speaks the truest. Andrew, in his book, Stumbling Towards Wholeness, writes a poem 
that beautifully describes the picture of engaging with grief. He says, grief does not want to be fixed, but known. And I think this is so true for each of us, is that we can engage with our griefs and maybe even the griefs of others by not trying to fix it or change it or resolve it, but just know it. Denying or minimizing our experiences or the experience of of others only limits our ability to know and be known. And so what does this look like? What does it look like for us to lament honestly with the Lord, with others in our community, and engage with our grief and name our losses? In addition to engaging with our grief, I think another important aspect is embodying the Father. I heard this concept recently, and I found it so helpful to envision God's response to our sufferings and loss. Scripture says God is long-suffering, compassionate, and abounding in love. But do we respond this way to our losses? Rather than resorting to avoidance of pain and suffering, what if we extended the same compassion God shows us by being present, aware, and honest with our limitations? When I think about what it looks like to embody the Father, I think of the passage where Jesus is speaking about the Beatitudes, and he says, Blessed are those who mourn, because they shall be comforted. This embodiment of the Father's heart is both personal and corporate when it comes to acknowledging those who are lost or even our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to weep with those who weep. And so, as one of my clients so beautifully put it a while back, it's okay to cry for yourself. It's okay to weep and know that God is close to you and embodying that compassion for yourself and others is a vital aspect of processing pain in a healthy way. And then lastly, I encourage each of us to practice embracing suffering. And so what I mean by embracing suffering is that we are not happy or sugarcoating loss, but rather honoring the affection that is lost and accepting or even supporting the process of loss willingly. So often we can avoid or resist this process, and in doing so, we create more suffering in our hearts and our spirits and our minds. And so something that was told to me a while ago in my seasons of grief was learn to float. And I love this because this is both a mindset and a movement in our hearts and our bodies. The mindset here is to release and to let go and to trust God in the midst of what can feel so disorienting. And at the same time, it's a movement of our bodies to rest and be still. Suffering in so many ways embraces our Savior's experience. Now, when we look to Scripture, when we see this bravery of embracing suffering, we read the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians 4, where he says, we are afflicted in every way. We're acknowledging that pain and suffering and persecution are, are realities in our world, but we are not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Because we are always carrying in the body the death of Christ, so that the life of Christ may be manifested in our bodies. You know, our losses are real, and so is our God. In First Peter 4, 11, we are also acknowledging this embrace of grief 
when Paul says, Beloved, do not be surprised by fiery trials when they come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening, but rejoice in it so far as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And this is the good news of the gospel. Not that our problems and pain suddenly going to be resolved or turn out the way we wanted them to be because the result of sin is real on earth. But we have a promise found in so much of scripture. But in John 16, we were told that we will grieve, but the grief will turn into joy. He says in verse 22, so with you, now it is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And this is the way we learn to grieve well, holding the complexities of both pain and sorrow and the hope of heaven that will come to earth. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content and join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarkwilliam.com. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.